With everything going on with COVID-19 or the coronavirus or the pandemic, whatever you want to call it, I've seen a lot of questions about traveling in this type of environment. People are asking questions like, we were planning on hitting the road soon, but now with everything going on, we're just not sure anymore. And then they go on to explain their situation and, and their concerns. Obviously, there's a lot to this question, and it's a difficult one to, to give a simple answer to. So I'm just going to tell our story of traveling during COVID. Let's do this. Are you looking to travel with your family while making a full-time income? You're in the right place. Welcome to Touring Freedom with your host, Jason Wyatt. Hey, I'm Jason Wyatt, and I'm here to help you on your journey to your journey. My goal is to help you build a completely mobile income so that you can enjoy a location-independent lifestyle. And a lot of this episode will be my own personal experience focusing on travel and the challenges surrounding travel. But the fact is, running a business became very difficult during this time as well. Since my main business is to actually help other businesses get more customers and clients, I definitely felt the effects. So while most of this episode will be stories from my travels, there's also going to be some key business takeaways that will you know, naturally be included. Now, when all of this first started, we were in Florida for my wife's business. She does a lot of in-person shows on the road, and there was a home and garden type expo in Jacksonville that we were doing. Now, at this point, we had heard a lot about the virus on the news, but didn't seem to really be a big deal. I mean, we heard about things like bird flu and swine flu, Ebola, Zika, and, you know, many others before that. And none of them had ever affected our life in any way. There was no reason that this was any different, right? I guess at this point, it was the boy who cried wolf scenario where we had heard it so often so many times before with nothing actually coming of it. We didn't see any kind of significance to this time either. Well, our first indication of how bad things were going to get was when we were preparing to do the show in Jacksonville. We always provide hand sanitizer at our booth. We usually keep a stockpile, but at the time we were out, so we went to Sam's Club to buy in bulk as per usual. You can probably guess what we found there is a bunch of empty shelves. We thought, hmm, you know, that's weird. Sam's is never out of hand sanitizer. We buy it here all the time. Well, maybe we can find small bottles at a Walmart or a Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie, that's a grocery store for you Yankees. Instead of buying you know, two near gallon size jugs like we usually do at Sam's, we'll just have to buy a bunch of smaller bottles. No big problem. Might be a little bit more expensive, but, you know, we won't have to refill our small bottles like we usually do, which, you know, let's be honest, that's a pain anyway. Walmart was the first stop, you know, simply because that was on our way and it was closer. Of course, we were, again, faced with empty shelves. And this is where we started to realize that this might not be a localized thing. It might not be just Sam's Club that just happened to be out of stock. People might actually be scared. But we checked Sam's Club and Walmart, but those type of places are everyone's first stop anyway, right? People don't run out to Winn-Dixie just to buy hand sanitizer. So off we went, headed to Winn-Dixie. We know this is going to be hella expensive and we're going to look crazy because we're going to have to buy so many bottles, but we don't care. We need it. If people are this concerned about the virus, we're going to need hand sanitizer to offer just to ease their concerns. Of course, we were wrong again. Winn-Dixie was out too. At this point, we knew that people were going crazy. 
we had just gotten into town, so we didn't really know what the local environment was like and how people felt about the virus. But if they had bought out Winn-Dixie of all their hand sanitizer, the overall consensus wasn't good. But that didn't change our reality. We needed hand sanitizer. Like, the more we found out about what the local environment was like and the more people were freaked out, the more we needed the hand sanitizer, you know? If these people were that scared, they're going to want it. But what were we going to do? It didn't seem as though anyone was going to have anything. We were about to give up, and just then I had a brilliant idea, or so I thought. Hand sanitizer should be a simple project. Just mix together a few easy-to-find ingredients, and you have hand sanitizer. You know, just like the kids making slime or something. So I consulted the trusty old Google machine there, and I searched for hand sanitizer recipe, and yay, I was right. It was easy to make at home, and all we needed was isopropyl alcohol and aloe gel or something like that. So we leave the empty shelves in the soap area where the hand sanitizer should be, and we run over to the pharmacy area where the isopropyl alcohol is, or should I say where it should be. It was gone, too. Okay, the recipe says I can use witch hazel, whatever that is. Let's look into that. Oh, it's gone too. And the aloe? Crap. This isn't good. Everything is gone. All the shelves are empty. People are losing their ever-loving minds. Then the biggest realization. If people are this scared, is there anyone going to actually show up at the Home and Garden Show at all? It started to get scary at this point because we knew this was going to directly affect our income. Well, we did the show and not only was the attendance down, but since our product requires sampling, few people were actually interested in trying it. Fear was obviously everywhere. We came away from that show making a little bit of money, but not near as much as a show like that would usually produce. We left there and went to Georgia for another show. This time... It was an arts and crafts show. This one was outside, so surely people wouldn't be scared to come out, right? So we set up our tent and display on a Friday evening for a Saturday morning show. By the time we left, the whole place was ready for a crowd of people first thing the next morning. Everyone was set up and ready to go. Later that night, it was around 11 or 12, you know, close to midnight, we see a Facebook post saying that the event had been canceled. And that just blew us away. It was unthinkable to cancel an entire show. They hadn't called us. They hadn't emailed us. They hadn't done anything but made a Facebook post. So surely this was like erroneous information, right? So we arrived at the venue the next morning ready to sell. All that we found when we got there was a bunch of vendors packing up and leaving. At this point, we were upset. Losing a show like that isn't a big deal. It was was a relatively small show. But they could have at least let us know before we went through all that trouble to set up. They had to have it in the back of their mind that they might be canceling this show if it was canceled just a couple hours later. Oh, well, looks like we have the weekend free, right? So we head back down to Florida to hang out with full-time families at Reagan's family campground. They were having a rally down there that we were sad that we were going to miss because of the show. But now, since the show was canceled, we could make it in at least enough time to get to hang out with everyone. Now, Reagan's Family Campground, if you've never been there, is not just a campground. It's a huge park of family fun. It has a water park. It has a swimming lake with one of those inflatable obstacle course things and even ATV trails through the woods. When we got there, it still seemed like life is normal. People were 
concerned and there were few people, you know, choosing not to participate in the gatherings due to, you know, maybe their kid had a pre-existing health concern or something. But for the most part, everyone was hanging out and having a good time with friends. Over the course of the next few days is when it started to get really bad. We were hearing on the news that some states were limiting social gatherings at the state government level. We didn't quite understand how bad it was outside the campground until we posted pictures of ourselves hanging out at the water park on Facebook. People lost their minds. It was like people thought that because we were hanging out at a water park, we were surely going to die, right? But within the campground, everyone still seemed to be having a grand old time. Even when we went out in town the few times that we did, everything seemed to be relatively normal. But when we left there, we headed back to Georgia to see some friends. We stayed overnight at a Walmart. Now, since we left Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago, we hadn't seen any type of like big city. Maybe a little bit more than two weeks. But now we were at a Walmart in a kind of medium-sized city. And this was our first indication that we might be living through the apocalypse or something. I went into that Walmart to grab some meat. I can't remember exactly why. Maybe we were planning a cookout or something, but but I was looking for steaks. The entire meat department was empty. And when I say empty, I mean empty. If I wanted meat, I was going to have to settle for tripe or chitlins. I was suddenly a vegetarian. As you're listening to this right now, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you didn't experience it yourself, at least you saw some pictures of similar situations. But to me, right then, in that moment, this was unthinkable, unheard of. I mean, it was shocking, the sight of all of these empty meat coolers. As all of this was going on, we continued to get emails of more and more shows canceling. We had scheduled our travels for this year around my wife's show schedule. We had a show almost every single weekend. We only had eight weeks off the entire year, and most of that was in January and February. Now, with every day that passed, it seemed more and more likely that we weren't going to be doing any shows at all this year. Now, to her, that was stressful, and she was really getting upset about it. She loves her business. But to me, that was a relief. I hate for my travel schedule to be tied to these shows. I felt like I was finally free. After all, we didn't absolutely need the show income. I had my marketing business and had also set up her business to be able to run online. This wasn't a problem at all for me. So we decided to go to Alabama to start replanning the year ahead. When we got to Alabama, that's when we first heard the phrase of the year, otherwise known as social distancing. It seemed that most everyone in that campground in Alabama was social distancing. That didn't stop us from having gatherings where people played guitar and everyone sang along and, you know, had a good time. We just had to do it at a distance. It wasn't like... We were all sitting around a fire. I mean, that was too close of quarters. But at that campground, we had a Facebook messenger group where we communicated with each other and scheduled things like that. And that proved very useful. We would all just get on there, schedule something, and then designate a large area for a small group of people to get together and meet up. Now, it was around this time when the restaurants and everything started closing down. This was a relatively small town, actually a very small town in Alabama. So... Most things were normal, but the one or two restaurants that were there shut down or they only had curbside service or something. This is when I started to realize that I needed to be concerned about our income because of this. Many of my clients 
were in the restaurant business, if, if they weren't able to do the business, what would they need me for, right? And then there were the kids. My kids are very much the outgoing type, especially the four-year-old. He'll stop and talk to anyone. I remember one specific occasion where I was trying to get his mind off not being able to go play with the other kids. So I took him on a bike ride. At one point, I realized he was no longer behind me. I turned back to see where he was, and I found him about 50 yards back, sitting down at a picnic table with another family. We didn't even know these people. He sat down with complete strangers. That's just the way he was. So when I rode my bike over to check on him and say, hey, bud, what are you doing? He just looks at me and says, we're having tacos, daddy. It blew me away. I mean, he just sat down and invited himself to supper. That's just the way he was. I say was because, unfortunately, I had to do my best to break this child's outgoing, friendly spirit. It was only a couple of days after that incident when the campground shut down the playground. They just put caution tape all the way around it. Up until that point, there were a few families who still allowed their children to play, but all that was over. I'm telling you, I've never seen a four-year-old cry like that little boy was crying that day. That playground was everything to him. The kids that he was playing with, I mean, seeing that shut down to him meant that he would never be able to see anybody anymore, and that crushed him. To make it worse, he didn't understand at all why. We tried to explain it to him, but there was no way to make such an outgoing little boy who loved people understand why he could no longer be around people. Every time he tried to do something and we would say no, he'd get upset and ask why. And, you know, it got to the point to where when we responded, now you know why, why can't you do that? He would give us an exasperated, because of the COVID. You know, he never did say COVID, right? COVID, it was kind of cute when he said it, but also heartbreaking. I mean, it was a heartbreaking struggle that we dealt with on a constant basis for months. After the playground was shut down, it was fairly obvious that life as we knew it was going to be drastically different. Everything seemed to be shutting down. There were a couple of bad storms during that time in Alabama while we were there. It was basically their tornado season, I guess. One of them was bad enough to scare us into getting out, so we decided to head to South Carolina. That's where we ran into our first traveling hiccup due to the virus, I guess. This was a Thousand Trails Park, and it was first come, first serve. We were told before we got there that they had room for us, but the whole campground was tight. I mean, everything was really tight and uh, not enough room in the, on the streets or anywhere. And there were only a couple of open spots anyway. And, you know, we either had problems getting into it or maneuvering out of it or, or one of the two. So we instead decided to head north to North Carolina. There was a park up there we wanted to visit, but it didn't open for a couple more days. I believe it, it was around April 2nd that that park opened, if I'm not mistaken. And that meant that we had a few nights to burn before we could check in. And that seemed to be no problem. There were a couple of uh, parks between the two locations that we had discounts to that allowed us to make the trip at a rather leisurely pace. We got to North Carolina right as they opened for the season. There were several other families checking in at the same time, and everyone was looking forward to getting into the new park. Now, this was also a Thousand Trails Park, and something interesting happened a day or two after we checked in. The entire Thousand Trails system shut down. No one could check into any of their parks. That posed a unique situation for us since we mainly stay at Thousand Trails Parks. You know, it's like once our time here is up, we will really no longer have a place to stay. We were concerned, but luckily Thousand Trails understood the conundrum that we were in 
that once we checked out, we could no longer be allowed back into the system. They continued to extend our stay past our scheduled checkout date until a certain shelter-in-place orders were lifted. I think we ended up staying at that campground for about a month and a half. And I have to say, if I had to be stuck somewhere for that long, we couldn't have been stranded in a better place. The playground and the pool were shut down, but they had a really nice putt-putt course. And we had all of our own golf equipment, so that was no problem. We were also on a huge lake. And we were able to get an inflatable kayak. It also got warm enough during our time there that we were able to spend a lot of days out swimming at the beach. And since check-in had been closed, and most of the people who managed to get in the first couple days that it was open, they had long gone. They checked out on time. We spent most of the time with the entire park to ourselves, or at least, you know, it felt that way. There were maybe four or so other families in this huge park in the same situation as us, but... You know, it really felt like we were all alone and had the whole place to ourselves. So all in all, it was a great time and a great place to be. We were kind of sad to see it end when it did. Once the system opened back up, we were able to get back out on the road again. Now, it was during this time in North Carolina that the inevitable happened. My clients started dropping like flies. You know, as it turns out, businesses don't have much need in trying to attract more business if their customers aren't allowed to do business with them. Strange, huh? So I knew I needed to pivot. I needed to be of assistance to my clients in, in, a, in this new environment where they were still trying to figure out how to serve their own customers. I decided that what they really needed right now was someone to help. I had to forget that I had lost so much revenue and focus on how much revenue they were losing out on. I focused on generating income for them and put my revenue on the back burner. I formulated a strategy that created communities for their customers so that they could share information uh, between one another about modified hours and services. I hosted contests to generate customer contact lists so that they could communicate directly. And I even held regular business spotlight type videos where I would interview them on live social videos. These services enabled me to serve clients and provide much needed services for free. But they also allowed me to make new contacts and I ended up landing some new paid clients. And no one knew that I was doing all this stuff from BFE North Carolina. And no one cared. All they knew that is that I was helping them out. After a few weeks of providing all these selfless services for free, I was able to attract a few clients into some paid services. And that brought my revenue back up to at least 80% of where I was originally. And, you know, considering everything that was going on, I was pretty happy with that. Compared to the level of struggle that my clients were experiencing, I couldn't complain at all. It was also during this time where I had to make my wife's business more online focused. I had already built a website and had a customer list, but the online portion was always secondary to the live shows. But in this new situation where the live portion was non-existent, I had to turn it into a 100% online business. Now, the way this business usually works is that my wife takes care of all the logistics and runs the in-person shows, but naturally, it's my job to handle the online marketing portion of it. Now that everything had shifted to online, I'm in a position where I'm working with clients, building communities, doing contests, presenting live video interviews on social media, and ramping up her online presence all at the same time, and meanwhile, she's at the beach laying on a float. I kid, I mean, really, I was glad that we were somewhere where she could take the kids off to have a good time so that I could work in peace. I, it really worked out well because 
The kids loved being at the beach swimming and, you know, I had to get some work done. After that, about a month and a half or so in North Carolina, we had to put our rig in the shop and this really sucked. We had to get some work done. Between the delays in the supply chain that were actually caused by the virus, coupled with the poorly ran service department who didn't know how to order parts, a two-week job, which is what we were told, was extended into another month and a half of being stuck. Uh, Luckily, we had friends we could stay with, so it wasn't that big of a deal, or at least as not as big of a deal as it would have been if we had to stay at a hotel. It did give me a chance to meet in person with some clients and help them with some technical issues. So while we were very upset at the RV shop, we were able to make the most of it. So that brings us all the way to July. The only show that we had had to this point was way back in the first week of March. Everything else had been canceled. And by some odd sequence of unexplainable miracles, we had a show in Tennessee that was not canceled. And we just happened to be getting a rig back out of the shop in just enough time to make it to that show. Well, that's what happens anyway when a woman is itching to do a show and not afraid to threaten someone's life if they're not done with her RV. But that's another story for another time. Well, it was Gatlinburg in mid-July. I just hit town and my throat was dry. Wait a minute. Sorry. Wrong song. Anyway, we were able to do the show in Tennessee. It ended up being fairly tiny. This show is usually pretty big, but most vendors had canceled and attendance was way down naturally. I knew I needed to do something to maximize the long-term benefits of this show so that we could turn this small event into a maximum residual revenue. So I threw everything I had at it, every strategy I could think of to get the attendees to sign up on the mailing list, follow us on social media, or any other connection that we could get. We we were just doing everything. Good thing, too. We had another tiny show after that, but then ended up not having another show until October. So these strategies of building our audience really paid off. But up until this point, you know, that's really all the trouble we've had. It's now the beginning of October, and we've had no issues. We've ended up visiting Kentucky and Indiana, Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, and there's no real issues getting reservations at any campgrounds or any other activity we wanted to do. We've visited museums, gone on tours, and even drove up to see Niagara Falls and rode the Maid of the Mist with no real issues on anything. I would even say that at this point, most things are near normal, with the exception of wearing masks and, you know, some dining rooms not being open or whatever. There are very few differences between now and before. We've been able to go where we wanted to go and do what we wanted to do. One thing I did learn is that the Amish are basically going about their lives as if nothing is going on. I kind of envy that lifestyle. So anyway, if you're one of those people still sitting around in one location because you're scared to get out there and do stuff, I highly encourage you just to go, especially if you have a family. I mean, don't deny your kids the opportunity to travel. It's a great time to get out there. Crowds are gone. It's much easier to do what you want to do if you don't mind certain inconveniences like social distancing and wearing masks. You know, most of the stuff you're probably used to by now anyway. Also, I want to make sure that the most important point of this episode is hammered home. If you're going to have a business of any kind, you've got to make sure that it's as resilient as possible. This means that you need to build up your online presence and ability to communicate with your customers in case of any kind of extraordinary circumstances, you know, such as these. 
That's actually why I created this podcast. This podcast is here to teach you these skills so that you can have a successful business on the road, no matter what life throws at you. So I do ask that you help others find this podcast by giving it a rating and review. Also, make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of the future business building goodness. And if you want to join the discussion about this episode or any of the others, we'd love to see you over in the Facebook group over at tourfree.me FB. That's FB as in Facebook, tourfree.me FB. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you don't like the show, tell an enemy. Just tell somebody. Until next time, I'm Jason Wyatt, and I'll see you on the road. Thanks so much for listening to Touring Freedom with your host, Jason Wyatt. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit touringfreedom.com on Twitter at TourFreeRV and on Instagram at touringfreedom and facebook.com slash touringfreedom. We'll catch you next time on Touring Freedom.